the elders' meeting previous to our study tonight, and I love my fellow elders here and uh, treasure them highly for their work's sake and their knowledge. I'd like us to open quickly tonight back to the book of Revelation. We're going to um, at least begin our study of the 16th chapter, which is actually an extension of the seventh trumpet. We've been talking about uh, the last several times together. And tonight we're going to see the actual uh, angels pouring out the seven last judgments that are a part of the seventh trumpet. And uh, we're going to connect them to the judgment of God that uh, as was witnessed by the Egyptians when God delivered his people Israel. There's a similarity there's a distinct parallel between the trumpet judgments that begin in chapter 8 and the vile or bold judgments of chapter 16. And what it's doing is preparing the way for the, the last great battle of Armageddon. So let's begin in verse 1. And I heard a great voice out of the temple, this is the heavenly temple, saying to the seven angels that have already been introduced... Go your ways and pour out the vials or, or the bowls of, of the wrath of God upon the earth. Now, we tried to uh, describe last time the importance of the word wrath, the wrath of God. One of the great blessings that we have uh, in the redemption that is ours through the shed blood of Jesus Christ and his resurrection is that we have been delivered from the wrath that is to come, the orche, uh, the settled or determined response to sin, because God poured out the wrath that was due us, all the elect, and he poured it out upon Christ on the tree of the cross. So we're thankful for that. And tonight, if you'd allow me to use this title, I want to talk about the law of the harvest, the law of the harvest especially in regard to the wicked. Because it's interesting that in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, the Apostle Paul said, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. If he sows to the things of the flesh, he shall of the flesh reap corruption. But if he sows to the things of the Spirit, he shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting we're going to see that lived out in the first part of this chapter tonight so here's the voice of God the father speaking out of heaven to his seven messengers and he says now it's time to go your way and accomplish the design and the purpose that I have commanded in verse 2 and the first angel went and he poured out his vial upon the earth, and there fell a noisome and a grievous sore upon the men which had the mark of the beast, and upon them which worshipped his image. Now this, uh, this grievous sore is the very same Greek word that is translated in other parts of the Bible as boils or, uh, or so open sores. 
Um, and we could talk about that a long time. But what I want to notice is that this plague reminds us of the sixth plague that God sent upon Egypt in Exodus chapter 9, verse 9. But I want you to also remember that in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 27, God said that if his people disobeyed him, if his people um, rebelled against his commandments, he would send this very plague upon them. So what we're talking about is God's justice. It's, it's, it's a, a, a binding influence in the very character and heart of God to be just. We know that he'll do right. We, we know that he's just. We know that he's perfect in holiness. All of his ways are judgment. And, and not only with, regard, with respect to the wicked, but also to his people. He sends judgment upon his people to rebuke and to discipline and to correct his children, but not so with the wicked. They are reserved unto the day of wrath. There, there's a reservation that has yet to be played out. There's a reservation that has yet to be dealt to the wicked. And that's what you're reading about. And it is kind of scary. But I want you to know that these, are, uh, these judgments are not against God's people. These judgments are against those who receive the mark of the beast. Those who follow Satan, those who are captives of the blindness and darkness of Satan himself. Now, notice, he says in verse 3, the second angel is going to go out, the second of the four, uh, the second of the seven. <laughs> and he poured out his vial upon the sea, and it became as blood of a dead man, and every living soul died in the sea now tie that to verse 4 and the third angel poured out his bowl or vial upon the rivers and the fountains of waters and they became blood here in this judgment we are reminded of the first plague that was employed against egypt in exodus chapter 7 verse 18 and this is very similar to the second trumpet that was blown in revelation chapter 8 verse 8 now, this is significant because uh, fish can't live in water like that. Remember when uh, the river Nile was turned into blood, remember all the fish died and it began to stink. The Bible says that specifically. Well, you can imagine not only the waters of Egypt, but all the waters of the earth are, are changed into a blood-like pollution. Fish, animals can't live in that, and men cannot consume it. You can just imagine how terrible this judgment is going to be upon the earth. All of this is global. You're hearing a lot today about the global community. Well, I believe it's just setting the stage for the Antichrist. I, I really do. I, I believe it's setting the stage for the imposition of these very judgments. Now, that's bad news from a human standpoint, but it's good news to God's people because that means that the coming of Christ is nearer. It, 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 it's nearer than when we first believed. And uh, we can rejoice in that. So this, this great uh, judgment of turning the water into blood is showing the, the same power and the same God 
is upon his throne in the Old Testament as well as in the New. And he listened to verse 5. And I heard the angel of the waters say, Thou art righteous, O Lord, which art and wast and shalt be, because thou hast judged thus. Here is the law of the harvest. I'm mindful of Pharaoh when he, remember, he drowned the male children in the river Nile. And uh, subsequently, just a short time later, his own armies were drowned in the Red Sea. I'm mindful of a man named Haman during the time of Esther um, who built a gallows for Mordecai, but he himself was hung upon the same gallows. Solomon put it this way, He that digs a pit for someone to fall in shall himself fall therein. It's the law of the harvest. These are individuals receiving what they deserve, receiving what they've earned, receiving not only the mark of the beast to protect them from harm or protect them from rejection or persecution, but they're going to receive a greater penalty even than that. And he said, and here's the voice of heaven, the record of heaven. Thou art righteous, O Lord. And could you, do you and I really understand that God would be just and he would be altogether righteous if he didn't save anyone? Now, I get some responses to that statement. Uh, blank looks like, what planet are you from, you know? But when you think about it, all of the human race are of the same composition. We've all descended from the same uh, head, Adam, and all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It's by God's grace alone that anyone is going to be in heaven. Now, he goes on and he says, For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets. These are the people being judged and upon whom these last plagues are poured. They're known for this. They've shed the blood of saints and prophets. And thou hast given them blood to drink, for they are worthy. See, it's the law of the harvest. And I heard another out of the altar. Now this is interesting. I heard another voice out of the altar say, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are thy judgments. Now notice where that came from. It came from the altar. Turn your Bible back to chapter 6, verse 9. I believe this is the voice that was heard. Are you with me in, in uh, Revelation chapter 6, verses 9 and 10? And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar. Here's the same. Here's the altar, right? Who's under the altar? The souls of them that were slain for the word of God and their testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice and say, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood upon them that dwell upon the earth. 
Now, in Revelation 16, they're saying it's done. The vengeance of God is, 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 is manifested. The, the, the payment in full for our suffering and our deaths has been paid in full. So he heard this voice out of the altar saying, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are thy judgments. Verse 8, And the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun, and power was given unto him to scorch men with fire, scorching heat from the sun. It reminds me of Malachi chapter 4, verse 1, where the prophet said there's coming a day that uh, will burn as the oven. It literally cooking, literally uh, uh, a terrible, terrible scourge uh, with the fire from the sun. God removing all of the preventive uh, uh, atmospheric cushion between man and the sun. He removes it. You talk about ozone layer. Huh? God's in charge of that, you see. And, and now they're being exposed to the fire of the very sun. I believe he's getting them ready for hell myself. That's what I believe is going on. He's preparing them for hell. And men were scorched with great heat. Now catch this. This is an expression found three times in this one chapter. Here's the character of the damned. Here's the character of the condemned. They blasphemed. Cursed. The name of God, which hath power over these plagues, and they repented not to give him glory. You see, brothers and sisters, here is a very important part of our study tonight. We need to understand and we need to appreciate the fact that God, it's God's grace that gives repentance. Somebody says, well, you can repent any time you want to. Well, let me tell you, that's not true. You and I can only repent when God gives us repentance. And that repentance is a gift of grace. And that is uh, uh, an aspect of um, the relationship or the union that we have with God. You see, I have no assurance of my salvation if I've never been given the gift of repentance from sin. That's the greatest evidence we have that we belong to him because he's given us a sorrow over our sin. Not, not just simply the sorrow for the consequences of that sin, but sorrow for sin itself. That it is in violation of God's law and that we've grieved the heart of our loving father. Here is a description of the damned. They gave not glory to God. They cursed God. They blamed God for everything. They blamed God for everything wrong in the world. They didn't give him glory that he's due. And the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seat of the beast. And that word seat there means the, the dominion or the uh, place from which he's ruling. And... Um, this is upon the, the, the Antichrist. And his kingdom was full of darkness. And they, look at this, they gnawed their tongue for pain. They were hurting so bad. They were, 
in such extreme pain that they actually gnawed their own tongues. My goodness. Darkness. It was full of darkness. It reminds us of the ninth plague that God used against Egypt in Exodus chapter 10, verse 21. And if you're taking notes, write this down too. We don't have time to go there tonight. I, I, I really wanted to go to Joel, the book of Joel chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, about this darkness. This is, a, this is not an ordinary darkness. You know, sometimes, if you'll notice, the night is really a time of beauty. You can go outside and look at the full moon. Have you enjoyed the night? Uh, when you saw the stars, it was so clear you could see that you just nearly reach up and touch them. Have you ever experienced anything like that? Well, well, night can be a beautiful time. But when he says darkness, he's talking about a darkness that can be felt. Uh, the closest I ever came to that was one time we went to uh, Carlsbad Caverns in, in New Mexico. And we went down, 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 down into the belly of the earth, got out of this elevator and, and walked out and, and the, the guide said, okay, now don't just, just stand real still. Don't be scared, but we're going to show you what it means to be in the dark. And they turned out the lights. And I'm telling you, you couldn't see your hand in front of your face. It was so dark. That, that, that darkness was a total absence of any light. And you could actually feel the moisture uh, in the cave. You, you could feel it was, it was kind of spooky. And I was real thankful when they turned those lights back on. Well, God sent that kind of darkness over the land of Egypt. But now he's sending this darkness over all the earth. It's encapsulated in total darkness, no stars, no sun, no moon. It's just dark because that is the mirror image of the kingdom of Satan. It's darkness, you see. So here it is, this, this plague of darkness. And, and, uh, and they gnawed their tongues for pain and they blasphemed God. Notice the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, and they repented not of their deeds. Brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, it, it, it's a dreadful time in human history when God's righteous indignation is being poured out without measure upon willful man. Verse 12, And the sixth angel poured out his vial or bowl upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up. Why? That the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. What is, what is, what is he talking about? Gog, Magog, Iranians, Turkey, Turkey uh, Russia, modern-day Russia, um, and all of those combined countries assembling armies to come into the land of Palestine so that they might fight a battle against God. He's preparing their way. He's gathering the armies of the world against God. Euphrates, we, we already studied that in chapter 9, verse 14, but did you know that this is called the Great River 
all the way through the Old Testament. This is what he's talking about, the, the great river Euphrates. And Genesis chapter 15, verse 18, Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 7, and Joshua chapter 1, verse 4. This is preparing the way for the last battle, the great battle that we're going to talk about in detail next time. And he said, uh, and I'm going to I'm going to try to close with verse 14. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs. Now notice it's not talking about frogs. It's like frogs. And they come out of the mouth of the dragon. And out of the mouth of the beast. And out of the mouth of the false prophet. There's your unholy trinity, brothers and sisters. And, 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 and the frog itself is a, is a symbol. It's an emblem of uh, demonic spirits. The, you know, frogs in the Old Testament were called an unclean animal. And they are, they are a good representation of, of these slimy, stinky spirits that are coming out of this unholy trinity uh, uh, influencing the world and realm of darkness. Verse 14, For they are the spirits of devils working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world, global community, to gather them for what purpose? To the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Now, brothers and sisters, there is such a thing as the law of the harvest. And there's a payday someday for all of the wicked and all of those that despise God and reject Jesus Christ. And brothers and sisters, if it were not for God's sovereign grace, that's exactly what you and I could expect. But because Jesus came and died for our sins and took the wrath that we deserved, we have inherited the eternal life that we did not deserve. God bless you. Thank you for this time. Let us pray.